listening to this sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. Our scripture for this morning is Psalm number 139. I'm going to read the whole psalm. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hands upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your your hand shall guide me. Your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. And the light around me becomes night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance, and your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them. They're more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. Oh, that you would kill the wicked, O God, and that the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against you are for evil. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with my perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Sometimes when I hear people tell me that Jesus loves me or God loves me, it could feel a little bit like your mama telling you that you're handsome. I don't know if you ever uh, got your heart broken when you were young, but uh, I certainly did. And, you know, your mom comes and tries to comfort you and they say, well, I just think you're the handsomest boy in the world. Any girl would be lucky to have you. And it's like you got to say that. You're my mom. If you've ever heard the phrase, a face only a mother could love, you know, like, maybe I've got that. So hearing your mom telling you that you're handsome or pretty doesn't really count for a lot. You want, you know, other people to think you're good looking. And sometimes when you hear someone say that Jesus loves you, it's like, yeah, 
but Jesus loves everybody. He's got to love me. You know, that, that doesn't, sometimes it feels like that doesn't count for a whole lot, if I'm honest. But like, what if he really, really meant it? What if Jesus' love for you was not some kind of, well, I guess I have to love him because I made him and I broke it, now I got to buy it kind of love. What if Jesus' love for you is not some begrudging sense of, yeah, I love that bonehead, but he's still a bonehead. What if Jesus' love for you was more than that, deeper than that? That's what this psalm is all about, at least the first part of it. The psalmist starts off by talking about how well God knows him. You've searched me and you know when I sit up, when I sit down, when I rise up, you know my thoughts from far away. You search out my path. Sometimes I feel like I can hide from God as if I could hide from the Almighty God. You know, God, if God really knew me, if he really knew what was inside me, he wouldn't love me quite as much. You can feel that way, but, but the psalmist makes it clear. That's not true. God really does know you. He knows the real you. He knows the dark and deep inside parts of you. And that has not caused him to reject you. In fact, his love for you is even more. God knows when you sit down and rise up. He knows a word before it's on your tongue. He hems you in behind and before. And he loves you for it. You can't scare God away or chase God away from the deep, dark insides of yourself and your soul. That's not how it works. He knows all about it, and yet he still loves you. He still went to the cross for you. He still poured out his blood for you. And so then the psalmist goes to talk about how there's nowhere you can go that God won't be with you. If you go to heaven, he's there. If you go to Sheol, which is death or hell, he's there. If I take the wings of the morning, he's there. If I sail out to the farthest, farthest edge of the sea, he's there. Now, if we vision God as some kind of judgmental uh, um, angry parent in heaven waiting to judge us and smite us, then that can feel like kind of a, a smothering thing. Like, maybe it would be nice to go somewhere where God wasn't constantly judging me. Uh, maybe it would be nice to be able to escape every once in a while and, and just be on my own without God, but that's not who God is. God isn't. I mean, God will judge all of our actions one day. That is true. But he's not going around looking for reasons to smite you. He's with you and he's for you. And so when he follows you to the deepest, darkest pits and the highest tops, it's not so that he can keep track of all the stuff you're doing wrong. It's so that he can love you more. He's for me in the hard times. And he's for me in the easy times too. Now we get caught up in this uh, problem of evil sometimes. We say, well, if God's 
for me in the hard times and he's all powerful, why didn't he just stop the hard times from happening? Why doesn't he just cut that hard time off at the pass and stop it from happening altogether if he's for me so much? It's natural to ask those kinds of questions. And the truth is, it's a mystery to me. But I know that he's with us anyway. God's job, for whatever reason, is not to get us around hard stuff. It's to get us through the hard stuff. And he does get us through the hard stuff. He walks with us every step of the way, pouring out his love on us. And then the psalmist goes on to talk about how the whole reason that you are here is because God wanted you here. He says, it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance, and you formed me when none of the world yet existed. God did not have to make you. He made you because he wanted you. I think about um, the images from the James Webb telescope that came out a month or two ago. Have you guys seen those? There's one of them that's on the front of your bulletin if you haven't seen them. Um, There's these beautiful pictures of space and the vastness of space. And these telescopes have looked further into space than anything else has been able to see. And there's just stars that we never knew about before, galaxies that were never there, that we never knew about. And we look at all of that stuff, and it just reminds me of of the description that says, who am I that you would have cared about me? But the fact is that God created all of that. Who knows what's out there? Who knows what other planets, what other Aliens are out there. I don't know. Maybe God created all kinds of other life in all that vastness of space. But the fact is that he decided that it wasn't going to be complete until you were in it. Because he, before it was all written, before the unformed substance in your book were written, all the days that were formed for me, when none of them yet existed, God intricately thought of you and wanted you to be a part of it because he loves you and his creation was not going to be complete until you were there. I was, I don't know, I've been having a very musical week. I, I was listening to another song that I, that I have enjoyed. Um, shoot, I didn't write down the guy's name. I, I didn't give him credit. The song's called Dissect the Bird. He's talking about trying to dissect a bird to find the song and how silly that, that is. Um, and it's not a Christian song, so like if you go, oh, Matt recommended this song to me, there's a couple of cuss words in there, so just be aware of that. Sorry. But it's just so, there's such a great part of it that I want to I read to you. He says, When the candle flickers and the days get dark, they call them first world problems, but they still break your heart. 
just take, when it feels like the universe is against you, just take a minute to realize all it took to make you. Your parents had to meet, as random as that was, and hang out long enough, at least, to fall in love and make a baby and give it your name. And all of your ancestors had to do the same exponentially backwards to the start of life. So much had to happen just exactly right. Sparks had to catch, oceans had to freeze, billions of cells had to survive endless disease, civilizations had to crumble, wars had to be fought, bad presidents had to get elected, good presidents had to get shot, people had to leave, hearts had to get broken, people had to die just so your eyes could open. He says, the universe is not against you. It must have wanted you pretty bad to go through all that. Now, we know that the reason that you are here is not because of some impersonal, faceless universe that wanted you. It's because God, the maker of all things, wanted you. So when we say that Jesus loves you, when we say that God loves you, it is not because he begrudgingly puts up with you. It is because the moment you were born, you were the culmination of all of creation for that second. Because God put you here for a reason. He loved you enough to make all of these things happen, to organize all of the things that have ever happened, that had to happen in order for you to be born because he wanted you. He loves you like a parent loves a child. It's amazing to think about all God went through for you to be born. And when we say that God loves you, that's what we mean. Now, I love the last part of this. You know, he's talking about how amazing it is that God loves him. And then he says, put my enemies, you can just go ahead and take them out. God loves me, but these guys, I don't know about them. And I don't know what to, what to do with that, honestly. I, I'm kind of reading it like David, I mean, it's not like he had to be perfect for God to love him because he's still evidenced this bad attitude toward his enemies. David had this kind of attitude like, God loves me. Good thing God formed me in my, in my mother's womb, but these guys, they, they're expendable. But even in the midst of David's attitudes about other people and his enemies, man, God didn't stop God from loving him. David didn't have to be perfect. He didn't have to toe the line for God to love him. We know David messed up in all kinds of ways, but God continued to love him. God's love for you is not contingent on your ability to act right. It's not contingent on your ability to produce anything. It's not contingent on your ability to do anything. God's love for you is intrinsic to who you are. And I think sometimes we just need to remember that and be willing to extend that to other people as well. So I don't know where you are standing today. I don't know 
if you have thought about the love of God in a while and the implications of that for you. Maybe you have been feeling like the love of God is kind of like your mom telling you you're handsome. Well, of course he has to love me. But that's not it. That opposite is actually true. God does not have to love you because he didn't have to create you. But he did. He did because he wanted you. He knows all about you and loves you anyway. And there's nowhere you can go that his love isn't going to follow you and be with you. So today, we're going to take communion. This amazing reminder of the grace of God. This time when we remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, this ultimate act of love for us. This means of grace in which we can come and receive God's love and grace at the altar in a mysterious way. And today, when you come and you take the body and the blood, the bread and the juice, I want you to receive the love of God that is profound and beautiful and personalized just for you. And remember everything that it took to get you here. It wasn't an accident. It was because God wanted you. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, Sometimes I grapple with the, the, the thought that you want me. God, more often than I'd like to admit, it feels like I'm some kind of mistake that you have to live with after the fact than, than something that happened on purpose that you wanted to exist. But God, you wanted me. You wanted me so bad that you made me. You wanted me so bad that you died for me. You wanted me so bad that you overcame death so that you can share that victory with me. God, such a love is humbling. Such a love ought to inspire devotion and obedience. And so, God, I pray that you will inspire us to remember your love this morning. Inspire us to greater obedience, to greater devotion to you that we might live a life of gratitude for your love. In your name I pray, amen.